Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome to the 19th session of Midnight Moments. We're getting to these last few sessions. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about balancing isolation and social engagement and how as much as we need to take this time alone for self-reflection, we need the other as a mirror. And so as we move out of this month, um, we need to find ways to, to continue this process. And, and part of that is, as we've discussed, instilling a commitment to this constancy and, and a practice in our own routines, just individually, but we also need guidance. We need continued guidance along this, along this path, um, especially as we go deeper and deeper into ourselves. Um, you know, as we come up against what we find internally and go deeper into our hearts, we can come up against some difficult material. Um, sort of this uncharted territory of our inner being and our, and our soul where um, we, may not, we may not know how to handle what comes up. And so there's been some questions about this. So, you know, is it possible to do this on your own? Is it possible to handle this of what you, you know, this sort of deeper levels of growth and facing the self? And the answer is not everything. Right? We have to position ourselves to do this work because this is what we're here to do. Um, but certainly, and so there's a lot, there's a lot that can be done um, just by orienting ourselves to get familiar with this place and continually being engaged in doing this work of self-reflection. But again, as we advance and, and go deeper, there's some things that we, we need guidance for, right? We can't handle on our own. Um, and this is really the necessity of having a guide, a guide who's familiar with these depths of the soul and, and has journeyed there um, to face these like deep-seated things that really advance healing the heart. And so to do this, a guide is necessary. And in the Ihya Lumadin al-Ghazali talks about this, and he talks about how in this path of pursuing self-awareness and that this, he talks about this as being the ultimate goal of what we're doing in, in Islam, that there's two pathways to this achieving self-awareness. That one is that we, a person be in the hands of one of his sheikhs. So one one who has mastered the inward and outward meanings of the deen and, and can guide a person deeply in this personalized way. But he, he recognizes, even in the 12th century when he was writing this, that this is rare. Um, and so he, he posits a second pathway to seek a sound companion. Um, and this he describes this as one is knowledgeable in the secrets of this matter, this matter being the uh, internal self-awareness and navigation of the soul and this process of healing, 
and to appoint him as an observer of his self, to note his states and alert him to his faults. Thus did the great leaders of the religion. And so he positions these two pathways, both being the need for a guide, right? He doesn't posit it that you can do this completely on your own, that you need some, some guide. And he talks about the first one, taking a sheikh as ideal, that this is really the best, uh, the best path um, because it's more involved. It, it, uh, this personal relationship from a guide who understands the entire deen, um, not only what you need for development, but also the Islamic sciences and the intricacies of the reality of the soul and, and Allah's reality and how the journeying of the self fits in with all of these you know, secrets of uh, the way we walk in this world um, and, has a both, and has a deep understanding of both the outward meanings, meanings of Islam and the teachings and the inward meanings. And unfortunately, as he was saying, even in the days, even in his times, this is rare. It's rare to find shayukh that have this full package, basically, right? Um, we talked about how a lot of the early Muslim scholars were polymaths. And they had this brilliant uh, command of knowledge in, in like every field of knowledge to where it's this holistic understanding of knowledge, not just in one text or one body of knowledge, right? But that they were both, these, these shayukh are like their faqis, they understand fiqh, and then their qadis of, you know, jurisprudence, they understand all of the laws from a, but then at the same time, they're doctors of the soul. They understand how this knowledge is applied to developmentally moving somebody spiritually. And so it's not just this, they're not just scholars from the standpoint of knowing the information and having read the books and, and having ijazah in a text, but that this knowledge then has illuminated their heart. Right? We talked about knowledge having these different levels of, of where it's illuminating the heart, which is the idea. Uh, matter of fact, Ghazali, there's this story about how he was traveling and had all of his books with him, and a thief came and to, to rob him, and he was so, had so much anxiety about losing his books because these were his most prized possessions. This is his knowledge, right? He's gonna lose his knowledge. And the thief said to him, you know, how, how good is this knowledge if I, a thief, can take it from you? Is it really knowledge if it's something that can be this fleeting? And so this sort of woke him up to realize that he has to not only memorize this, but integrate it. So it's not just carrying around these books that sit on a shelf, but having that knowledge impress upon and, and um, transform the person, so illuminated heart. So if we go back to the steps of contemplation, the, the last two, right? Um, the, the illumination of the heart and then that that transforms. Um, and these type of, these type of scholars uh, who have this 
integrated understanding. These are the type of people that we need to, uh, if we have them around us, we need to sit with them and, and absorb not only learning from them from books, but the way of being, like how this is supposed to be manifested, right? And this is, like Ghazali said, it's very rare. It's very rare to find these type of people. I have been blessed to be able to study with and sit with uh, uh, several of these type of, of people where uh, just by, you know, sitting at their blessed feet, you, you absorb and your heart is illuminated because their, their character um, exudes the meanings of what it is to have this knowledge, right? Um, and so much of that learning we've got away from, we, we, we stick to this notion of information. Um, I remember when I, when I studied with these teachers, they would be, uh, I, would, I would, in my mind, I'm like, we need to study books. I want to study the, learn the knowledge, right, from the books. And oftentimes they would actually be teaching me through action, right? So instead of learning about the nafs and the nafs attachment, they would have me doing things, like building things that I would then get attached to. And then they would come and tell me, um, you know, this is wrong, change it all. After my, I thought they were going to be proud of me, right? And so here is learning to break my nafs in, in the world and, and seeing, the, the, uh, seeing these teachings in action. Um, so anyway, this is a rare a rarity these days, but if you know these people and if you have access to these people, we ha you have to seek them out and you have to make suhbah with them, be in their presence, because this is really how this, these people are a treasure. But so Al-Ghazali says, he recognizes that these are rare and that not everybody has access to these type of, of uh, shayukh. And so he gives this second pathway and he talks about this sound companion and this is perhaps something more accessible and even more attainable to create more opportunities to have access to this type of guidance. Um, it's not necessarily someone who knows everything, right? Who knows all of the intricacies of all the sciences of knowledge within Islam, um, but somebody who has spent time specifically understanding the work of inter of self-reflection and of this navigating the internal world of the self. Um, and somebody that can act as a, as a companion on this journey. And so this is where a lot of my work is focused on Islamic psychology, is trying to understand how we can uh, understand psychology from the Islamic paradigm, understanding all this knowledge uh, in context of understanding ourselves and that training Muslim therapists to work from this model so that people can have access to having guidance along this way because we're, um, you know, people, people need help along this path. Um, and we're getting there. We're, there's more and more people getting trained. In the UK, there's Ihsan Clinic in Bradford. 
using this model of Islamic psychology and doing therapy, doing cl in clinical work. And in the U.S., there's Khalil Center, who has uh, locations in Chicago and the Bay Area. They're growing and growing. So, inshallah, we're getting there. But even without this specialized training in Islamic psychology, it can be good to have support. It can be good to have a therapist. And um, especially if you come up against things that are difficult as you start to unpack and start to look deeper into your into yourself, because we have to remove these blockages of our heart, right? Um, and and work through some of that difficult stuff that comes when we're starting to uncover. And so we shouldn't be afraid to use these resources of, and, and it doesn't mean, you know, therapy, going to therapy, seeking counseling, does not mean that you are majnoon, doesn't mean that you're crazy. Um, it doesn't, it's not just about mental illness. We are all broken. We are all as human beings, we need help. We are all on a process of development and we're all fakir, right? We talked about this, we're all needy. And so we shouldn't think that, uh, you know, that we're above needing help. Um, part of Islam is, is our deen is, is developing in ourself and, and changing what is in ourselves. And that takes, that takes work and it takes guidance and it takes support. Um, and so in many cases, people may not have access to these types of resources. It doesn't mean you're at a loss. We should seek out companions. So the sound companion can be in other ways as well. You know, keep just keeping people around you who are this genuine mirror, people who are also engaged in this process of self-awareness helps. They can be a person who is sort of even at the same level of trying to do this work that you reflect with one another. Another, And I know in the past session, I think yesterday, I was talking about because we, we need each other to raise each other up, right? And um, and there was a question, what if you don't have anyone to raise you up? So you, you need to seek it out, right? Put yourself in places where people have similar aims. Um, like here, for example, uh, Cambridge Muslim College is a good place to stay connected to because there's uh, people doing this work and people seeking this type of work, right? And so even this resource that we have here in this, the people that have been coming to these sessions mentioned yesterday that it feels like a community. You know, I'm seeing these, all these comments in the, in the chat section and, um, you know, perhaps there's a way to stay in touch with these people, you know, so that you don't feel like we're talking about isolated. Um, and so, the more that you put yourself in these places, you have to start to find those people, right? So even if you don't have immediate access, seek them out. And there was another question, how do we work on relationships with people who are not in a state of presence? Right, so if you don't have people around you who are work doing this work, but you're in relationship and you have to you know, be working on yourself, it means you can do the work yourself in a relationship. You don't need the other person to be on the same page with you necessarily. It's, it, it's ideal, but it's not necessary. If you're being present with yourself and you're engaging in that relationship, then you're going to learn what you have to work on for you. Right? It makes it harder, but it's also potentially more opportunity for growth. Um, so you're just looking to 
understanding how you're responsible for how you react and respond in relationship to these people, right? So you don't need the other person to be where you're at in terms of this intention of, of seeking and, and uh, being present and discovering yourself. And so you can still do that work. But what I'm saying also is also seek out these other people who are striving um, because we, we become like those who we keep company with. So we should make an effort to try to keep company with people who are ideally better than us, but uh, at least on a similar trajectory of, of trying to do this work. And then I would say, you know, as we, you know, also on our own, we can do a lot of uh, study and and you know, studying Quran and Hadith and the Sirah, um, and that we can we can do the study, we can find teachers and we can learn, but also just again that, to stress that, to be conscious that we need to be looking to emulate these this knowledge and have it illuminate our hearts, right? This is how, this is how Islamic teaching has always been done traditionally it's tarbiya right it's not just learning information it's developing and growing and um you know people were taught to embody the knowledge not just memorize it not just have a cerebral relationship to the to the dean and to knowledge but to have it sink in and affect your heart put it into action now this is exactly why the prophet came to us is that to see this living, breathing uh, example of how this looks as in, as in being, right? He was the walking Quran. And so we also need to live it, not just read it, right? Not just read the Quran, but have that reading impress upon us. And, and uh, we need to find these people who have been taught in this way you know, it's like uh, people who have been with the Prophet, who have, who have been with those people, who have been with those people, who have been with those people. You have to try to connect to this transmission of the Prophet's ways. Um, and so, inshallah, we find ourselves with these people and we pray that these people the few, you know, the people who, who we have in our ummah, we pray that they're strengthened and preserved and increased in their ability to, to, to guide us. Uh, and we pray that we all have, we're all guided on this path and strengthens our efforts for us to come closer to him. And remember that in Hadith Qudsi, Allah says, take one step towards me and I'll take 10 steps towards you. Walk towards me, and I will run towards you. So we just need to keep walking, and keep, keep making that effort. So I know that there's quite a lot of questions rolling here, um, but I think what we'll do is I'll make note of these questions, and uh, we will have a full-on question and answer session, inshallah, on Thursday. After tomorrow, tomorrow we'll, we'll have one last final topic session, We'll, inshallah, we can answer some questions there as well. But then we will, uh, I'll keep a list of these questions and we'll come back to them on Thursday, inshallah.
All right. So I look forward to seeing you again for these final good night moments, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.